I have been excited about today for at least two reasons, uh, this particular day. Number one, we are wrapping up our series um, wholehearted. Thank you, Caroline. Uh, we're wrapping up our series wholehearted, and I'm not excited that we're done with the series. What I'm excited about is what it means that we're wrapping up the series today. Because what it means is that we have spent six weeks getting ourselves aligned with uh, one language, if you will, one, one vision, one mission, uh, one strategy. And that means, you all, that there are just under, say, 3,000 of us who are in agreement. This is who we are as a community of faith, and this is where we're going. That is profound. You may not recall, but I want to remind you of a story in Genesis 11. It's the Tower of Babel, and it's when uh, humanity decided, we're going to reach God, you know, we're going to make a name for ourselves. And uh, out of sin, quite frankly, they said, we're going to build a tower to the heavens, and they do. And uh, in the midst of that, God comes down to kind of look at their little work, it's described, and and God comes down and he says something in the midst of this. You know he disperses them with language. So, so this is where languages come from and, and, and um, nations and everything spread out, you know, out, out, out of the tower. But he says something in that context that I think is pertinent to you and I as we have come to this common mission, vision, and alignment as a community of faith. This is God speaking. I'm using the New Living Translation I like the way it says this. Uh, God says, look, the people are united and they all speak the same language. And then this, after this, nothing they set out to do will be impossible. Now, this is a, you know, unregenerate, non-God-seeking group of people, but they come to one mind and God recognizes that's a powerful thing for people to be aligned. Think of us, the church, one church, Fellowship Bible Church. But you all, empowered by the Spirit, aligned with one language, I, I am really excited about what God may do in and through us. Jesus himself said, you're gonna do greater works than I did. Not because we're greater than Jesus, but because the spirit lives in us and there's more of us and we will do the work of redemption in ways that expand beyond what Jesus ever did. What an exciting time. I'm also excited about this day and have been because we're gonna do something so appropriate and right and we trust it's God's perfect timing, but we will spend the latter part of our message today formally installing Rob Sweet as our lead pastor. Some of you go, well, uh, I, don't know, I don't know. You might go, well, Lloyd, I thought you were the lead pastor. Well, I'm not. Or some of you go, I, I thought we did that last year. Well, we did. Uh, but we did it under some circumstances that we wanna come back to. And uh, I'll talk more about that in a moment, but I'm gonna also tell you why it's so important, even in light of where we are uh, in our wholehearted series, that we do that in a few moments. Well, we're gonna conclude the series in this way, and I'm gonna, 
I'm gonna hopefully keep, I went really long first service, so I said, I gotta shorten this up and get straight to the point on this. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna move rather quickly, but what I'm going to do is, in a nutshell, I am gonna unpack as best I can a statement that has been in front of us the whole time we've been going through this series. But we haven't focused upon it until now, and it's important that we do. Because when we understand this final statement, this corporate mission value strategy, it becomes a personal mandate. It's not, you know, I go to a church and this is what the church does. No, it's uh, this is who I'm made to be and this is what I'm made to do, me, individually. Now, the statement's been in front of us because it's been on the, the, the overhead behind me the whole series. There in the bottom left-hand side, you see the words, we were made for this. We were made for what? Uh, y'all, I, I, we believe this. We were made for this, what you got when you walked in, which I'll go over in a few moments. We were, we were made for this mission for these values to do it in this way. We, we were made for this in the same way that we've taken apart every part of our mission and values and rooted it biblically. I want to root that statement. We were made for the, I, I want to root it in the scripture because it doesn't matter if I say it. I mean, I, it, it, it only matters if God says it that we were made for this. And I believe he does. Uh, with that, we're gonna go to the very beginning. I want you to turn in your Bibles, if you would, to Genesis chapter one. We're gonna be in verses 26 to 28. 26, 27, and 28. Y'all, those are, I mean, it's just a three tiny verses, but I think these three little verses are a lot like those um, little, those little, um, those little pills that you, your kids would get, maybe, you know, when you didn't want them to swallow them, but you put a drop of water on them, and that little pill begins to go, and the sponge opens up, and it's like, there's an elephant, you know, I thought it was a little pill, or you pour it on there, there's a starfish, you know, in that little pill. These three verses, trusting the Spirit to open our eyes, contain the very core essence of what we were made for. Said another way, in these three verses are the deepest longings of every human heart, the deepest desires put there by God to be satisfied in God and in God alone. And when we see this, I, I really believe this, we can say, I was made for this. It's not just my church is doing this. It's not just my, my church believes this. No, I was made for this. Let's look at it very quickly, verses 26 to 28. This is the sixth day of creation, the crowning moment of creation, the creation of man and woman, humanity. Follow along in your Bibles. Then God said, verse 26, let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply. 
and fill the earth and subdue it and rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Emil Bruner, Swiss theologian, once wrote, the most powerful of all spiritual forces is man's view of himself. The way in which he, man, understands his nature and his destiny. When I say those two words, think his identity and purpose. That's that's what he's saying here. Uh, Indeed, it is the one force which determines all the others which influence human life. The point that Bruner is making, I believe, is that what, uh, what a person believes about her identity, who they are, okay, and what she believes about her destiny, why she exists, shapes your life. And in these three verses, we get, uh, this is in condensed form, we get what God has to say about our nature and our destiny. Very quickly, I'm gonna go through it. First thing about our nature, our identity. Moses repeats uh, three times or four times, actually, this phrase or at least the thought in one of them, uh, in our image, in our image, in our image, in our likeness. What, what is the image of God? Well, there's so much in, in the image of God. We understand we're, as, as human beings, we're distinct from the animal kingdom, the plant kingdom. We're made in God's image as thinking people, emotional people, those with desires and those who can make choices. That's part of the image of God. We're made relational. That's part of the image of God. What I want you to most focus on, though, in these words is that being made, being made, created in the image of God speaks so pointedly to our identity. And that is you and I are created beings by a personal God, fearfully and wonderfully made, according to the psalmist, while still in our mother's womb. That stands in stark infinitely distant uh, distant from a view that says we are a product of an evolutionary process. And this is, quite frankly, you all, where you and I, we, we who believe that this is the authoritative word of God, we stand on this, period, to determine what we are as human beings. We are created in the image of God. The implications of this are massive and and the one I want you to hold on to here is this. You are of value and worth, period, because you're made in the image of God. You, 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 You can't put a measure on your worth. You can't put a measure on your value. Not because of what you do, not because of what you achieve, not because of what you have, but because you are a human being made in the image of God. Oh, how we struggle with this, don't we? Those of you as parents right now, as kids move into teen years, don't you struggle to help your child understand, honey, you are valuable, period. Well, that's just what you say, mom. 
No, it's what God says. And then as adults, you know, we never get over this, do we? I gotta do something to be valued. I gotta make something. I'm not as valued as they are because I don't have it. What's going on with, well, we'll talk about it in a moment. The fall just distorts all this, but you and I, our identity is, especially when you come to faith in Christ, you are then in, in a unique relationship with God as a son and daughter of God. But just the fact that you and I are human beings, valued, valued, valued. And the fall does nothing to diminish that. See, don't, don't, don't go and say, well, because of the fall, I'm not valued as such. No, the fall does nothing to diminish your value, your worth, what the fall does. It's terrible. It twists up our thinking and then we don't believe what God says about our value. And we start thinking crazy thoughts about our value. That we need to do this or do that or be this or be that to have value. That's what the fall does. Okay, so our, our, our nature, our, our identity is valued as image bearers of God. How about our destiny? Okay, this is our identity. How about our destiny? Why are we here? What's our future? Where's it all going? What, what, why am I on the planet? Well, I won't take this apart in depth, but I'm gonna give you three words that I can pull out of this text, that we can pull out of this text that tell us about why you and I are on the planet. You and I are on the planet for at least these three things. To reflect, to rule, and reproduce. I'll say it again, to reflect, to rule and to reproduce. I'm gonna put these specific notes on the website, so I'm gonna put some definitions up here in a bit. You're not gonna be able to write them down. Don't try to write them down. Just listen to me for a minute. Based on this passage, we, we can recognize that you and I, as image, made in the image of God, we are made. The reason we're on the planet is to reflect what God is like. This is the charge God gives us. So, you know, what, what does God invite us to do? What he did to create, to lead. I'll talk about it in a moment, to rule over creation. We're, the, the, another way to say this is we are made to glorify God. That, there is no greater purpose on the planet than to show what God is like, his worth, his magnificence, his power, his goodness, his, his character. We're made to reflect that as human beings. Secondly, we're made to rule. What do you mean we're made to rule? Well, you notice here, he says, now rule over all of creation, all animal kingdom, plant kingdom, et cetera. This is, y'all, we are made to steward and co-rule with God, God's creation. This is a pretty big job. Um, to co-rule creation. Who knows what this could have looked like before the fall. I'll tell you, we're gonna know what it's gonna look like in the future in a new heaven and a new earth when we step into that role without sin. It'll be amazing. But that, that's what we're made for, to co-rule and co-reign. Let me add, you know, it's almost like if, if, if I think my value is tied to what I do, you know, that's oftentimes when someone says to you, well, what are you doing? Well, I, I work at uh, HCA. Really, what do you do over there? Uh, I'm the CEO. Whew, wow. Uh, what do you do? Uh, I'm a, I'm a child of God. What, what do you do? I said, well, I, I co-rule the earth. <laughs> you know? Oh my gosh, man, that's huge. You got a big job. See, that's, in all laughing aside, 
do you want a significant, you want to know your significance? This is the role God gives us. And then finally, reproduce. You know, he says you created male and female. Uh, Boy, there's a lot we can unpack in that. I simply want you to understand in this that sexuality, sexual identity, sexual intimacy, reproducing, this is a God-given desire and longing. This is what God has wired us for. And it's not just reproduce, as in we'll see throughout the, the story of Scripture, it becomes not just reproduce your children, but, but reproduce spiritually. See, in the end of the day, it's not just reproduce, you know, have children, it's have spiritual children. In other words, you don't have to be married to reproduce in this context. You, you help others come to faith in Christ and you reproduce spiritual children on and on and on. It's no wonder that, you know, we're, we're at a day and age where sexuality and all these things are so confusing. And think about it, Satan does not does not let go of a strategy that works. And certainly in this arena, while the sexual drive and longings, they're, they're God-given gifts. Oh, he distorts them so, does he not? What I want you to understand, though, is when we think about our heart and the desires of our heart, you know, there is the desires, you could no more remove the desire that is embedded in you as an image bearer of God, you, you, could, you could no more remove that desire from you than you could keep the sun from rising. Uh, and you say, Lloyd, what desire? I'll, I'll just put it in these categories. The desire to matter. The, the desire to feel like you've done something significant. The desire to connect in such a way with others that it's, beyond my mind, but I just longed for the connection of life with others and with God. Desire to make a difference in the world. The, the desire to do something that lasts forever. See, the, the, all these desires are God-given, but in our fallenness, you all, they get distorted and twisted and we end up pursuing those desires uh, in the wrong way. Does that make sense? So our identity valued, our, 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 our destiny, if you will. Look, we are made to reflect God's glory, to co-rule with him and to reproduce others who will reflect his glory and co-rule with him. I don't think there's a bigger uh, job description, more significant more lasting because these things last forever on the planet. So this is what God has put within us. If I tried to put those in a sentence or a long paragraph, quite frankly, I couldn't get it shorter. I'll put it up here. Don't try and write this down. Just read it with me up on the, up on the, the right-hand side screen. This would be what I would say. What's our, what's our identity and purpose? Well, Made in God's image, I am of infinite worth and value. Entrusted with an eternally significant work to be done in relationship with God and others, resulting in a life of helping others find life with God right now and live with the certain hope that one day everything will be as God intended it to be for his glory forever. I will suggest that Embedded in that statement is everything you want in life. 
everything you want in life. To know with certainty that there's going to be a day when everything will be as God intended. That's the peace of God. That's shalom. In the meantime, to live with a certain hope that that day is coming. And in the meantime, to live in such a way that we're in relationship with God and with others and we're doing an eternally significant work. It's all there. Now, here's the problem. You and I come out of the womb uh, with a sin nature, uh, with, with, with brokenness within. And so we actually have a different statement we hear and believe. And I'm gonna put this one on the left-hand side. Don't try and write it down. You can, you'll be on the website and we can look at it. So here's the, here's the fallen heart, if you will. This is, and even in our struggle as Christians, we struggle with this. We go, okay, what's my identity and purpose? Well, we, we kind of come out of the womb going, I am defective, deficient, defective, and flawed. Therefore, I must keep others from seeing this. And I will strive to do whatever makes me feel significant so that others value who I am. And I'll try my best to make life bearable for me and those I love since it has never been nor ever will be what I long for most. That's a downer. And that's reality. And there's no one in this room that doesn't gravitate toward those statements. And you haven't gravitated toward them throughout your life. And there's no one in the room that none of us escape the fallenness of, I wanna believe I'm valued just because I am. But I really need other people to tell me that. I really need to achieve something and then be rewarded for it and then I'm validated. You see what I'm saying? We, we go after it because we can't sit in what God says of us and in Christ that we have all that we need. And so we, we live with this wall up, right? I don't want anybody to know that what I think, you know, you may think, oh, Lloyd's this. And, and I don't want you to see what happens in my soul and the fears I have and the, and the, and the fear I, you know, I'm, what do they think of what I'm saying? And what does so-and-so think of me? And I just found out so-and-so left the church. Oh my gosh, why did they leave? They probably thought I said, so, you, know, you just go on and on and on. It happens to all of you. It happens to all of us. So how do we, how do, how do we go from there to there? Through the cross. We come to the cross and we recognize that Jesus is the perfect man, whole, full, complete, wholehearted human being who ever lived. And he died on the cross for my sins. He paid the penalty. He was buried and he rose again. And now his spirit lives in me such that we could say Jesus lives in me by the person of the spirit. And I'm redeemed from these thoughts and this, these lies, quite frankly, about my value and my destiny. And now I'm, I'm, I'm a whole in Christ, you see, such that our, our drawing, you remember when we did this, you come out of the womb like this. You come out of the womb with a shattered heart, you all. That's, that's a, we come out of the womb with our, you know, the heart is who we truly are and it's composed of these things that are always interconnected, our thoughts, emotions, desires, and choices, but we're born with a, with a fragmented heart and therefore my desires, God-given desires, God put it within humanity to long for a significant work and he's given it to us 
but our desires unconnected from the truth of God's word, this becomes, I gotta be a powerful person in the world. And Jesus comes and says, I'm gonna show you when this is connected to the heart, you will be the slave of all. What? That's not important. Is Jesus an important man? Did Jesus have an impact in this world that none of us could ever even comprehend? See? But when our hearts are fragmented, right? We live fragmented lives. If the heart is who you truly are, fragmented, trust me, your life will be fragmented. But when we believe the gospel, what happens? Well, God gives us a new heart. He circumcises our heart. He replaces our heart of stone and gives us a heart of flesh and he writes his law upon our heart. And we like to do it this way because then we notice that we come and this really does become a life and a heart that's centered around the cross of Christ. And all that we do, thoughts, emotions, desires, and choices go through the cross, rely on the cross. If you guys see this over here. And the cross becomes the thing, as Paul said, I'm not gonna boast about anything, but let me tell you what I'm gonna boast about. I'm gonna boast about the cross of Christ. Because in Christ, I am made whole. In Christ, I understand my value. And in Christ, I understand my destiny. And I get to help people come to know Christ and grow in their relationship with him. And there's no more profoundly significant work, if you will, purpose, if you will, on the planet. So how, does, how, does a, how do people go from there to understanding this and living it? It's only through the cross. Well, how do they hear about it? Well, get this, this is fascinating. Uh, God saves some. God saves his his own people. Come to faith in Christ, um, and those people begin to meet together, and 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 it's like wow. Um, there's a group of people in Brentwood, Tennessee, and uh, they they get together and they start thinking, well, how do we? How, do we, how can we live in such a way that people can come to know Christ and have wholehearted life in Christ? I don't know, let's meet and let's get together and let's see. And, and that group of people begins to dream and they say, well, what's our mission? You know, what would be our values? And um, how, what's our strategy for seeing, making this happen? And God gifts this group of people with gifts within people in the body and they begin to serve one another. And we call this a church. And that community of faith begins to live in such a way that Christ is made known. Now watch, this is fascinating. Not because there are professional missionaries or ministers in that thing called the church, but because in that church are doctors and lawyers and artists and retirees and financial planners and uh, every scope of life, homemakers, every person in different places. That's who's in that church but they see their vocation, that thing by which God has gifted them and wired them to do so well, they get paid for it. It's like, that's a gift. The work, work is a gift of God. But they see that as really being the, not their purpose in life, but their vocation. And they see their purpose as being, I'm on the planet to reflect God 
to co-rule with God to reproduce. So I'm, I'm actually on this planet to help people know God and grow in their relationship with God. Well, I thought that's just what preachers do. No, no, that's what human beings who know Christ do, every one of us. And so this, this thing called the church has people who work in these faraway places and in different spots and live in specific neighborhoods and have certain family members. And, and, and that group of people realizes, hey, we gather regularly, but man, my purpose is to go in the world and bring people to faith in Christ. And then they'll gather with us as well and we'll keep going into the world. That's the church. That's how this functions and happens. And every particular church has a unique fingerprint and that's what this is. I want you to take this out. I want you to look at it with me very quickly. Who we are. I'm not gonna go through the whole thing in detail. Who we are. We are word-centered, spirit-dependent, better together, courageously real, not about ourselves. These values guide, guide us toward our mission. I wanna grab two of these. Better together, courageously real. Um, wow. What does that look like? What does that mean? Well, it means we don't go alone. It means relationships matter. It means we're gonna be honest about relationships. Flip the page over, what do we do? We exist to glorify God and make disciples by helping people find wholehearted life in Jesus. I wanna read this definition. This is so important. What is wholehearted life in Jesus? Wholehearted life in Jesus is the lifelong process of my thoughts, emotions, desires, and choices, uniting to find that my deepest longings and greatest hopes are satisfied in Jesus alone. You all, wholehearted life in Jesus is God transforming our God-given desires in such a way that we know only God can satisfy them. Not the idols we reach for, not the medication we reach for, not the act. Do you see what I'm saying? It, that's, a, that's a miracle. Thank God. I don't want God just to change my behavior, do you? I mean, we can gut it out. I'm not gonna do it. But what if God changed my desire? I don't even want that. I want you so much, God. You see, that's wholehearted life in Jesus. Flip it over on the right-hand side of that one. What does it look like? It looks like a renewed mind, active faith, healthy relationships, satisfied soul. Flip it over to the back. How are we gonna do this? Man, this, is, this looks like child's play, you guys. I mean, is that it? I mean, that's your strategy, fellowship, and you wanna go... Well, it is gathering regularly in worship. This is what Hebrews 10.25 calls us to, a weekly rhythm. Gather with the community of faith in worship. Be here. Say no to something else to be at church. You, know, you can go, well, Lloyd, you're so self-serving in this. I'm trying not to be. I'm just trying to say to you, the scripture invites us, calls us, commands us to gather in this way. And then there's one thing on the bottom. So gather at church regularly and gather regularly with your group, with a group, with a group of people who know you and you grow with. It's just those two things. So what are we, how, how are we gonna accomplish this mission, you guys? Um, we're gonna come to church, worship and serve, and we are going to gather on a regular basis in groups where we're known and walk with others. Okay, and uh, we're gonna gather, and then we're gonna, we're gonna be in, in groups. And then when are we gonna do this? Well, See, what we're gonna do is we're gonna gather, you see, and we're gonna worship and serve. And then we're gonna be in groups. Yeah, and then, and then we are gonna say, we will passionately equip you in your personal walk. We, we want your, your, your walk is 24, this is weekly, 
This is 24-7, so we wanna resource you, help you grow in your personal walk, 24-7, 365, and then we wanna help you engage in your world because everything we do is not about ourselves, and we were made to bring someone else along and others along to know Christ, to grow in Christ. Does that make sense? And you know, I do look at this and you go, man, that is so simple. And I go, it is, thank God it is. Cause I don't think we could do, do a, I, I, you know, we get in trouble when it gets complicated. And if you think this is simple, you should see what Jesus gave the disciples. Go and make disciples of all nations. Okay. And... Well, I want you to wait in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Then you'll be my witnesses. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. Okay, we're here. Spirit comes. Spirit comes and that's it. And the Spirit changes them. You see, you talk about simple. Powerful. And this brings us to the last thing I wanna do and conclude our time. And that is to recognize that clarity of mission and values requires clarity of leadership. Clarity of leadership. And so we're gonna end this time installing Rob Sweet as our lead pastor. I am delighted I get to participate in this, as will you. And you might, some of you say, well, I thought we did that over a year ago, okay? And you know we did, but I'll tell you this, it's one thing to hand someone the helm uh, as the ship's leaving you know, the dock. It's another thing to hand someone the helm whew, while the ship is in a storm. And Rob Sweet stepped into this role as lead pastor in the midst of a massive storm for us. You know, it's, this is life and things happen and Rob stepped into that, unplanned but God-ordained. And he stepped into that role and has quietly been serving in that role, yes, for over a year. But I'll tell you what, it is good and it is right on the part of the elders and on the part of us as a community of faith to formally recognize his leadership here. Now, some of you are going, well, um, I thought you were the lead pastor, Lloyd. I've never been lead pastor. I'm not the lead pastor. It's not my gifting and wiring. And then some of you are going, well, I thought we were team leaders and it's all equal. Well, we do believe in team. And this is an expression of team. And if you'll show me a team that has no leader, I'll show you a losing team. That's a fact. So a leader, it's not the leader, you know, like, well, he's the leader and, 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 and he's over everything. No, the leader is what? Jesus says, the one who serves and the leader, by the way they lead, lead a team versus I'm in charge and on my own. So every team needs a leader. And I just want you to know, Fellowship Bible Church believes that God in his providence and sovereignty has called Rob Sweet to be the lead pastor of this church. I've been here since the very beginning. I've had the honor and privilege of leading with men and women in various contexts. And, and early on, you know, we had a dream. Many of us, in, some in this room, a small group dreamed of a church, that, a church where church was serious. What I mean by that, a church where it's not just a Southern cultural 
trend, uh, you know, something we do, but the church is a worshiping community of influence that costs us everything and gives us more than we could ever imagine. And so, you know, in my mind, I'm going, gosh, I, I wanna, that's what I want our church to be. I assure you, that's what Rob Sweet wants this church to be, but I will tell you his dreams go beyond that. And you may be asking yourself, well, Lord, what are you saying? Are you leaving? What, what, what's your role? I'm a teaching pastor. You know, I'm so grateful that I get to do that. That's my role and my responsibility. I work for Rob Sweet. He's the lead pastor. I'll work alongside of him, under him, we'll lead together, but he's the lead pastor. And we need that. And God in his providence has, has given us. That wasn't the plan for Rob when he first came. You, you guys know that. But oh my, I'm so grateful that he stepped in at the time that he did. And I could not, I want you to know personally, I could not be more delighted than to serve under him and to serve alongside him. And uh, Rob, I want you and Jody and the girls to come up here and join me. I want you guys to welcome him as he comes up for the role he's been playing and will play. Jody, you guys come on out. We are together going to formally um, install Rob. I mean, I, I'm gonna pray over him. Uh, uh, we're gonna say a few words. Rob's gonna get a chance to say a few words. And I, I just want you to know this is, this is an important moment for us as a church. Every organization is a reflection of the leadership it's given. I'm thrilled about the one who leads us. Jesus, of course, but Rob in his specific role is lead pastor. I'm gonna ask Rob's dad to come up. Colonel Bob Sweet, what a treat to have him pray over our services backstage early this morning as a veteran. And uh, I just asked him to say a few words about this son of yours over here. You know, all of us as parents in this room, there will be milestones uh, that we experience in lives, and there will be some great joys, and yes, there are some exasperations. Now, I would like to say that uh, I'd been a perfect parent, which of course is not true. And all of us know that in God's mercy and his grace, that many times he will buffer our children from the mistakes that we make and the unintended, unintended consequences, and he will protect them through that. I would like to say that Rob's been a perfect child. That would be a stretch as well. <laughs> And there have been some exasperations there. I can remember an occasion many years ago when in a relatively new Pontiac that we had, we were driving down the highway, and unbeknownst to me, a very young Rob Sweet had a ballpoint pen in the back, and he took it out, and he just really liked the sound of the pop and, and the noise that it made and what he was doing, redesigning the vinyl upholstery. They were poking <laughs> holes in it, right? That lived with us for a long time. Now, some of you... <laughs> Some of you might have experienced some exasperation quite recently, just a couple weeks ago, when you were celebrating 20 years of ministry with this church, and you saw uh, pictures on the screens of Lloyd back 20 years ago and so forth, and, and a picture of Rob 20 years ago. He had the audacity to show a picture of him in a Georgia Bulldogs mm. marching band uniform. Mm. And some of you, as diehard te mm. Tennessee fans, uh, would have taken exception to that. Mm -hmm. 
But you know, besides the exasperations, there's great joy as well. As we have seen Rob really develop into a young man and then a man of God who serves him, where he would take the teachings of his childhood and make it very personal, where the roots would take hold and where he would make his personal faith and then faithfully follow God. We really rejoice with you at milestones in our lives and at this opportunity for Rob to really help come alongside you as a congregation and step into the next 20 years of ministry here. Uh We will keep you in our prayers as well as Rob and his family and thank you for the privilege that you've given him to serve in that capacity. Uh Thank you, Bob. Well, thanks to my dad. This is my mom up here as well, Pat. And they both live in Myrtle Beach, and they worship faithfully with us via our uh, web, web simulcast. And we're so grateful to have them part of our body. I, didn't, I had no idea he was going to tell the story about the Pontiac station wagon. What I remember most about that, you know, you know, true, it was the, the feel and the sound of puncturing that vinyl that was so satisfying. But I remember my dad afterward, he was, I mean, he was angry. Any of us would have been angry. But rather than expressing his anger, I just remember him just being befuddled. Like, why? Why? Why would you do that? And I still don't have an answer. Uh, I just want to say a couple quick things. And I thought, you know, what do you say at a moment like this um, for me? And I just thought, well, I just, I'm going to show up with my whole heart. My thoughts, my emotions, my desires and choices, and just share this with you. My thoughts this morning are for God's goodness, thinking about that a lot this morning. I'm thinking about God's goodness from this church over 20 years and looking forward to the goodness of God that's going to propel wherever he has to lead us. I'm thinking about you, and I'm thinking about God's goodness in your own lives. I'm thinking about your unique joys and your unique struggles as a congregation. And, And my emotions are for you. My emotions, I have a sense of gratitude. Uh, to you and a sense of love as, as a shepherd that God has called to be a part of shepherding this body. I, I also emotionally, to be honest, feel a little bit nervous. Mm-hmm. Uh, this, this is significant for me. It's, I'd much rather just get up here and preach a sermon than be installed in this way. But I do believe that is what God has called me to. And so I open-handedly and open-heartedly receive this. Uh, I want to just express some more emotion of gratitude for Lloyd and all that God has done through him and will continue to do through him, Lord willing, for many, many years at Fellowship Bible Church. He is a joy to co-labor with because he's so open-handed and so open-hearted. And I want to also express some gratitude to our elders. They are good men who love you as a body. I'm grateful for their leadership, and I'm grateful for my family Mm -hmm. uh, to be up here, and I've had such a profound influence on my life, and and I feel that sense of joy this morning. Uh, My desire is for you, and my desire comes from Colossians chapter 3. You may recognize this. It was in our 40 days of prayer and fasting devotional this morning, but here's my desire for, for, for us as a body, for you in particular. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you. That's what we plan to be doing here at Fellowship. Lloyd's expressed it well. The word of Christ to dwell in you. And then in verse 17, so that whatever you do in word or deed, you do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. That's wholehearted life in Jesus. And that is my desire for you and for us. And then what choice, finally, what choice am I willing to make? I'm willing to serve you and I'm willing to love you. It's great to have Jody up here and our girls with me because Jody and I have always prayed, God, would you lead us to a people that you would have us serve? Not a job, a people. 
and he's led us to you. And so my choice is to love you and serve you to the glory of God as long as he allows. Mm-hmm. So thank you. Thanks, Rob. I want to ask the, uh, yeah, you can clap. Let me see that microphone. I'll take that. I want you to stand, if you would, please, and I want the elders that are in the room to come up, and Rob, I want you to, you guys come up toward the front here, and Rob, I'd like you to be right here, and uh, Jody, you and the girls get there on that side over there, and Mr. and Mrs. Sweet around on this side, and the elders come around, and you'll be behind them. Come come over this way a little bit, that's good, and uh, Richard in here, good. And I'd like you as a congregation, if you would, as I pray, if you feel comfortable in doing so, would you extend your hand towards Rob as we pray this prayer over him together? And I will lead us in it. Rob, may you have the grace and wisdom to act kindly, learning to distinguish between what is personal and what is not. May you be hospitable to criticism. May you never put yourself at the center of things. May you act not from arrogance, but out of service. May you work on yourself, building up and refining the ways of your mind. May those who work for you know you see and respect them. May you learn to cultivate the art of presence in order to engage with those who meet you. When someone fails or disappoints you, may the graciousness with which you engage be their stairway to renewal and refinement. May you treasure the gifts of the mind through reading and creative thinking so that you continue as a servant of the frontier where the new will draw its enrichment from the old and you never become functionary. May you know the wisdom of deep listening, the healing of wholesome words, the encouragement of the appreciative gaze, the decorum of held dignity, the springtime edge of the bleak question. May you have a mind that loves frontiers, so that you can evoke the bright fields that lie beyond the view of the regular eye. May you have good friends to mirror your blind spots. May leadership be for you a true adventure of growth. Paul's words to Timothy appropriate to Rob. I solemnly urge you in the presence of God in Christ Jesus who will someday judge the living and the dead when he comes to set up his kingdom. Preach the word. Be prepared whether the time is favorable or not. Patiently correct. Rebuke and encourage your people with good teaching. For a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will reject the truth and chase after myths. But you should keep a clear mind in every situation. Don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. Work at telling others the good news and fully carry out the ministry God has given to you. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. 
Praise him, all creatures here below. Praise him above ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen and amen.